Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss the West Nile virus spreading to Indiana, toxic bright blue blooms in Vermont water, and carbon monoxide poisoning in Ohio. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 95 for the week of July 26th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Battistelli. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is V94.31XA, injury to rider of, parentheses, inflatable recreational watercraft being pulled behind other watercraft, initial encounter. So specific. <laughs> yeah, some of these are so ridiculously specific. It's I like how it's recreational watercraft being pulled by another recreational watercraft. It's mm-hmm. very important. Right, right. It, we're not talking, well, we could be talking tugboats, but most <laughs> likely not. <laughs> it's just pulled by one of those big, like, shipping uh, shipping boats, those cargo vessels. Yeah, <laughs> big cargo vessels. Just a tiny little thing behind it. That would be a different code. That'd be a different Just one of the code. sailors on board just sitting on a tube behind the entire boat, <laughs> just chilling on the ocean. <laughs> and then he gets hurt, and then that's when he ends up with this diagnosis code, Albert. Nothing yeah. to joke about, okay? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Anyways, let's get right into the news. First up, we have West Nile virus detected in Indiana. The West Nile virus has been detected for the first time this year in Indiana. One mosquito sample collected in Vigo County tested positive for the virus, and health officials expect to see more West Nile virus activity as the mosquito season progresses. People are being advised to avoid being outdoors when mosquitoes are active, especially late afternoon, early morning, and at night. EPA-registered insect repellent can be applied to clothes and exposed skin to help ward away mosquitoes. It is also recommended to cover exposed skin by wearing a hat, long sleeves, and long pants in locations where mosquitoes are especially active. So this is a continuation from the California West Nile virus case that we discussed last week. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, mosquitoes are bad. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) as we saw last week and this week, they're seems like they're moving eastward anyway, at least the the cases that we're seeing. And yeah, just like the smoke, just like the wildfire smoke, everything is moving. They're like traveling with it. Maybe they're just like could be hiding in it it's like They're a, hiding in the clouds in the ash it's like a it's gang of marauders here. coming in a cloud of smoke <laughs> a gang of marauders. <laughs> it's very mad mask mad max-esque mm-hmm. that's what it is yeah yeah so, um yeah i mean you know what are you gonna do about mosquitoes i don't know about you but they love me um i was actually hearing a story from one of our partners who was in the office and visited us this week and he was stationed at korea mm. uh at some point in his life, I don't know necessarily the time period, but he was mm-hmm. saying that he loved kimchi and he was also saying that, you know, the Korean soldiers before they went out like into the jungles or anything like that or swamplands or anything where mosquitoes would be active, they would eat a ton of kimchi because, you know, it's very stinky. <laughs> and apparently mm-hmm. the mosquitoes would stay away from them after they it like processed through their bodies and was like in their pores. So, you know. If you're all about natural mosquito repellents, just eat mm. a lot of kimchi. Kimchi, that, that, that's fascinating, actually. <laughs> Do you like kimchi? I don't think I've ever tried it. Do you but know what it is? Stinky. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. It didn't <laughs> sound appealing. I wasn't. I wasn't immediately drawn to the kimchi. <laughs> I don't have too much trouble with mosquitoes anyway. They don't. Maybe I just taste bad. They don't. They don't yeah, bite maybe, me very often. Maybe. Sometimes around the ankles, but. Mm-hmm. Do you have you ever? Do you know what kimchi is? No. 
Oh, it's fermented vegetables, mostly cabbage and radish. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not on your list. It's not on my list. No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you should try it sometime. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll try anything once. Cyanobacteria blooms. Cyanobacteria blooms have been forming in the Vermont waters. These blooms can produce toxins that are harmful to humans and animals. These things are tiny microorganisms that are a natural part of freshwater ecosystems. The problem is that current conditions let the organisms multiply quickly, creating dense populations known as blooms on the water's surface and alongside shorelines. Swimming or wading in water with a cyanobacteria bloom may cause skin rashes, diarrhea, a sore throat, stomach problems, or more serious health concerns. It is also potentially fatal to dogs who may drink the water and lick the bloom residue off their fur. Health officials are encouraging that people in the Vermont area and surrounding states familiarize themselves with what these blooms look like. Yeah, so cyanobacteria has been in the news all week this week, especially, I mean, Vermont I didn't know about, so this is new to me, but... Um, there's a red tide going on in Florida right now in mm -hmm. Miami, and mm -hmm. it's killing like millions of pounds of fish every day, which is kind of crazy. And, you know, thinking about stinky, right? We just mentioned <laughs> stinky right. cabbage and we got stinky fish. Um, so, yeah, don't swim in these waters. I didn't know that Vermont um, had this. So that's interesting. Yeah, no, I always think of Vermont as just being trees. I don't know why. I think of it as like, honestly, I don't even know. Forested yeah. woodlands. I don't know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know what, what is even in Vermont. You know, it's such a tiny little state. It's like, yeah. uh, I guess skiing's big over there. You know, yeah, maybe from I think cabins. Like if I close my eyes yeah, and picture Vermont, it's like pine trees and cabins, but I, that could yeah, just be some true. like crazy thing in my mind. I don't some know. Sort of fever dream. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I think that's pretty accurate, but yeah, don't go swimming in these waters, guys. Otherwise, yeah. unless you want diarrhea or rashes, but definitely don't let your dogs do it either because that's that's bad news bears for sure. I wonder what it is in the in the cyanobacteria that that causes that. Uh, mm. the you know uh the color cyan is in it, so mm. it's heavily toxic. It's just like right. that's how printers get their toner; they get it straight from cyanobacteria. Oh, great! So, you know, CMYK right. the first. Is C mm -hmm. um, cyano Y is yellow for yellanobacteria. It's, a, a, it's a lesser known bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is no, a lot. This is why you don't eat the cyan crayon either when you're a kid. You right. can eat the other ones, but the cyan, like you, yeah. you just have to avoid. It's that. well known. It's well yeah. known. That is the one toxic marker in the non-toxic oh yeah. markers. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing to joke about. You're right. Next up, carbon monoxide in Ohio. Next up, carbon monoxide in Ohio. In Toledo, Ohio, three people passed away and two others are in critical condition after being exposed to carbon monoxide last week. According to the Lenawee County Sheriff's Office, the gas leaked into their travel trailer from a nearby generator. Since carbon monoxide is colorless and odorless, it's hard to even know if you're being exposed. Long-time exposure to carbon monoxide from a smaller leak can be hard to detect. So much so, you would have no idea that you're being exposed in the first place. People become overcome by the fumes gradually, basically suffocating from lack of oxygen. The gas crowds out oxygen in your body, killing you in minutes. The best way to avoid this is to first have a carbon monoxide detector and second, keep any generators or gas-powered devices in well-ventilated areas. Yeah, this is like a nightmare, man. Carbon <laughs> monoxide, it's like that silent killer. Yeah, yeah, it's literally silent but deadly in gas form. 
<laughs> I mean, yes it is <laughs> it's the sbd of actual gases yeah um, for real i think most people are familiar with car what carbon monoxide is uh so you know basically get one of those detectors and mm -hmm. you should be good to go and also replace those batteries people i am so sick and tired oh of hearing gosh. those beeps Beep. from smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors it drives me nuts. Beep. I can't tell you how many times I've woken up in the middle of the night to this beep at like beep. two in the morning. <laughs> and I gotta just, I love the ambient beeping right now. You're like really yeah, on trying, I'm really it's trying like to the, set the mood. I want everyone to it's know. Like the background. <laughs> <laughs> You've got it like perfectly timed on cue. Um, but yeah, and then you gotta wake up in the middle of the night. You gotta walk around and figure out where it's at. And it just oh, echoes awful. throughout your house. You have no idea. And the timing right. is like, you walk past it and you're like, is it gonna go off again? And then you walk past it again and it goes off and you're like, what the yeah. heck? So Cause it's always the middle of the night. Yeah, it's always. It can never, it, it, the batteries just, never run out like during the daytime. Right. They and wait you, until like 1, 2 a.m. Yeah. so that you have to be like out of bed to do it. Yeah, right. It can't just be a convenient time. Mm -mm. I would invest in a smoke detector or a carbon monoxide detector that tells you the battery life uh, oh, on no. it. So that way you can prepare yourself for the beep yeah, or that, like connect to your phone beforehand. or something so that your yeah, phone would do a notification like, hey, carbon monoxide detector <laughs> is worst, running low. The world's most expensive carbon monoxide detector. I would definitely buy it. I don't oh, care. Gosh. It's worth it for the for without the beep. Mm -hmm. And with that, let's go into our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest breaches all across the world. Take it away, Albert. All right. Mac users are warned to delete very malicious hidden files. Mac users were warned that a very malicious malware was found stealing credentials, logging keystrokes, and recording screenshots. Checkpoint has issued its warning since Macs are thought to be fairly safe from such threats. Typical Mac malware is not that serious, but this is very different. The malware includes harvesting credentials from various web browsers, collecting screenshots, monitoring and logging keystrokes, and downloading and executing files according to the orders received from Command and Control CNC servers. So, CNC, not CNC. Wow, interesting. Yeah, CNC. <laughs> We're not talking CNC machines where you like cut things. We're talking command and control right. servers, people. This is this is a big delineation. Mm -hmm. So it was an ampersand um, there, not yeah, not an, an yeah. ampersand. C and yes, C, exactly. <laughs> C ampersand C. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. So, you know, one of the misconceptions by people who have Macs is that they're immune to viruses. Okay. And that's because Mac has done a very good job of saying that they're the most secure device. You know, they, when you get a Mac, you don't have to worry about viruses and, you know, arguably you're pretty safe, mm -hmm. but it's also because their market share in comparison to Microsoft computers and other devices is actually much smaller than you might think. Um, so they're not as targeted, right? Yeah. Hackers want to get into the infrastructures of companies, which means they place all of their resources towards attacking Microsoft computers. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're not, I mean, if, if, if a virus happens on a Mac, it's a big deal. So very malicious software, um, is, is bad news bears for Mac users. So heed the warning from yeah, Apple. as a Mac user myself, I, I'm heeding this warning. I'm going to have to look this up and try to make sure that my 
Data hasn't been compromised. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, live Q&A testing from Albert's Mac. Check out you know, this episode, next episode, bonus content. <laughs> We're going to have Albert sit down at his desk and look through his Mac. Just a bonus episode of me fire. silently checking different <laughs> files. And, <laughs> and just going, huh, and huh. ooh, and uh-oh. <laughs> uh, you'll see it tells a whole story. tells a whole story in such a few words. <laughs> <laughs> it's minimalist storytelling. It's really good. <laughs> Next up, exposed PHI for 450,000 in Florida. Florida Heart Associates is notifying over 45,000 individuals about a health cyber attack that exposed their protected health information. It's possible that patient's social security number, member identification number, date of birth, and health insurance information may have been seen or accessed. The cyber attack occurred between May 9th and May 19th, 2021, and the hospital said it became aware of the attack on May 19th. Florida Heart Associates notified the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights on July 7th and announced the security incident in a press release on July 14th. The healthcare facility said that it installed an endpoint detection and response tool, strengthened its systems architecture, and implemented stronger policies to prevent future attacks. Dang. Dang. 45,000, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's definitely a lot of people. So... Albert, let me tell you something about the HIPAA breach notification rule. Are you ready for this? I, I, I'm Let's sitting sit down, down and tell you a little story. Yeah. So according to HIPAA and the HHS, it is required that notifications of breaches on an individual level should go out without unreasonable delay and no later than 60 days following the discovery of a breach. Mm -hmm. So in this case, Albert, I will tell you that... Florida Heart Associates has done what they need to do to tell the individuals that they might have had their information breached. So that's good. They yeah. won't get fined from that perspective. They All might right. get fined for having 45,000 people affected because if it's over 500 individuals, Albert, mm -hmm. yep. they have to report it um, and it gets publicly known. So the press release got picked up by healthitsecurity.com in this instance, and that's why we're covering it. So there you go. There's the whole story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Beautiful. Got to be careful. Locked on that PHI. <laughs> mm, looks like the next story is very similar. Over 68,000 patients impacted in another breach. Advocate Aurora Health is notifying over 68,000 patients that their PHI is part of a recent Electa Health data breach. The company, a supplier for Advocate Aurora Health, reported the incident to the Office for Civil Rights on July 16th and is currently notifying patients that could be affected. A total of seven locations in Illinois were impacted, along with several other healthcare companies. Electa Systems may have stored information about patients' first and or last name, social security number, street address, date of birth, height, weight, driver's license number, medical diagnosis, medical treatment details, appointment confirmations, or even more. Electa is offering complimentary access to identity monitoring, fraud consultation, and identity theft restoration services for any patient impacted by the breach. Well, that's another... Well, another one. <laughs> large group. Yeah, another another big breach here. More than the another last big one. Breach. Um, yeah. You know, it just comes down to... Um, it's a matter of, it's not a matter of whether or not you're going to get breached, Albert. It's a matter of when you'll get breached if mm -hmm. you're an organization. And that is a theme that we like to repeat because it's mm -hmm. very true. 
And we constantly prove that, especially with this section. And that's kind of why this section of the podcast exists yeah. is because on an organizational level, you need to make sure that you have the safeguards in place and the cybersecurity in place to protect your, yeah. your patient's data or your client's data. And then on the individual level, you need to make sure that you're taking your own precautions in place, which means don't use the same password for the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in this instance and in the instance before, if you lose your PHI, there's really nothing you can do about it to safeguard it because healthcare organizations are the ones who are supposed to safeguard it. And it's not like you can change the password to your PHI file. So that's unfortunate. But, yeah, you know, learn from companies, learn from other individuals and what they're doing, and then you'll be good to go. Right. And you anticipate that people are going to be trying to do this all the time and take uh, and breach and take your PHI, then you can put some things into place to help at least minimize it, at least have, have things in place where you can uh, be ready for it. And even having a good response like, th like this group here afterwards, it, it seems like they, you know, let everybody know really quickly and then also offer these complimentary services, which I think is is really helpful, too. To not just say, hey, we're sorry, and then shrug it off, but say, hey, you know what, there's these other services in place that can help you with fraud or identity theft, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Because that's going to show your your patients that you you care and that you exactly. take it seriously. Exactly. Well said. Well said. Okay. And that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Albert Pettistelli. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.